You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the L.A. International Church of Christ family of churches, worshiping God in L.A. since 1989. So now I'm going to introduce our guest speaker today. So he became a disciple in 1991 at the University of Kansas, which has a great basketball team, not so good football team, but they have less miles to get better. A year later, he moved to the former Soviet Union to help plant churches in Ukraine and Russia. He met and married his wife, who I just met this morning, unknowingly, uh, Lena, and uh, they've been married for 25 years now. Is that, is that right? Right? Okay. He led Hope Worldwide for in Eurasia for 10 years, and he continues to live in Kiev and serves on the foreign mission field now for over 27 years. Um, so he's lived abroad, and it's, it's an amazing feat. And I remember at a conference in 2012, the World Discipleship Conference or the summit, and I remember as a campus student at UCLA going to that conference, and I heard him speak. He spoke to all the college students, and he shared about his conversion. He shared about his testimony and how he became a Christian, how he was so inspired by God to, to hear the truth of the gospel the very first time that it led him to want to serve his life and give his life in the foreign mission field. So it's an incredible story, and we're so blessed and grateful to have him today. Please give a warm welcome to Sean Wooten. Okay. Good morning, everybody. Um, it's a real treat for us to be here in Los Angeles uh, to be able to be with you. Great to see uh, Stephen Carey and also the Spass, who haven't seen in years. And uh, it's so great to see the Thorns as well. You're very blessed to have uh, these couples around you. Um, John Thorne was uh, really kind of our home base as we got launched into the Soviet Union. He was running the admin, helping us figure out how to live in that part of the world. And actually, John went with me to Chernobyl. We went to Chernobyl in 1994 uh, to visit the reactor and to see the area there. John was crazy enough to go with us. Uh, we're still here, amen? God loves us and takes care of us. Uh, but it is a treat, and I want to say hello from the Kiev Church. And there's a few people I'd like to introduce that are with me. If we could get my slides up and running. then um, Today's sermon's called, You've Got Talent. Now, the reason we're saying that is because there's a great parable in the Bible about the talents. Now, did you guys hear anything I've said? You're just such a kind audience. I feel like, let's just encourage him. Let's keep playing with this until it's not too bad. Okay, we're good? You guys can hear me? Awesome. You've got talent. There's a parable in the Bible that talks about talents, and we'll get to that in a second. But a few photos first. That's my... Uh, my son is on the left, Andrew. He's 22. Uh, my beautiful wife is next to him, who was the 104th baptism of the Moscow Church, um, which was planted in 1991 with the Indian Tammy Fleming. I know they've been out in this area. Uh, then it's the teacher, and then it's my daughter, Diana, who is then, that's me, next to her. And my son graduated college this year, and my daughter graduated high school. So uh, all that got finished and changed, and we're 25 years married with my beautiful wife. Uh, so that's the Wooten family. Um, this is the Kiev Church. 
Um, hello from the Kiev Church, and today in the audience with us, uh, we're actually traveling. Uh, uh, we flew from the Ukraine uh, two days ago, or the day before, you, you lose track. And then uh, to, tonight, actually right after church, we'll go down to San Diego for a delegates meeting. Um, but we have uh, the lead of it. Me and my wife, uh, we, we planted the church, and for many years we led the Kiev Church. Uh, but two years ago, God has raised up an incredible eldership in the Kiev Church and a new lead evangelist. And we were very happy to pass the Kiev Church over to uh, Taras Medvedev. If, if he could stand up, he's in the hall here. This is Taras. He and his awesome wife, Nadia, are an amazing couple, and uh, they're leading now the Kiev Church, which is, which is um, uh, in this picture, it's probably about 1,900 to 2,000 people uh, worshiping God. And uh, also, the, the eldership was also raised up two years ago. We were excited to appoint four elders in the Kiev Church, and the lead elder of that group is Alex Kravitz. If he could stand up, he's here as well. He has an amazing family, an amazing story. He and his wife, Tanya, I think all together 18, is that right? 18 family members of his have become Christians. And uh, the last one that became a Christian was his dad, who for like the first, I don't know, 20 years of Losha's life, just persecuted him for being a Christian. And after all those years, uh, God blessed him with the honor of baptizing his dad into Christ. And he's a disciple now as well, which is very encouraging. Um, then also uh, we have with us the brother, uh, his name is, uh, I'll introduce him in a second. He's, he and his wife are leading the church in Odessa, not Texas, Ukraine. Um, Odessa, Ukraine, and they're overseeing all the church leaders in the Ukraine. Uh, so that's Sasha Talatnik, if, if he could stand up as well. So it's so great to get to work with these brothers. Um, this is Eastern Europe. This is the part of the world that me and my wife right now are working in and trying to develop leadership and grow churches. It's about 271 million people, 21 different countries, um, 33% Muslim, 33% Catholic, 33% Orthodox. And then there's us, amen? <laughs> so we need to catch up and push those percentages in a different direction. Uh, but please be praying uh, for Eastern Europe. Uh, sometimes people don't really know what the Eastern European countries are until you watch a Hollywood film and there's someone trying to blow up the world. They're usually from Eastern Europe. Uh, but we have awesome people living in this part of the world who love God with all their hearts. Life isn't easy in this part of the world, uh, but they're faithful to God. And it's very, very inspiring. It's a great privilege to get to live there. Um, next slide. Okay. There's organizations that come together from around the world. Uh, the top CEOs, the top world leaders, presidents, financiers, bankers. They come together often in Switzerland. Uh, there's the G8, or I think it's now the G7. And then there's the G20. And there's all these Gs. Um, but even though these people come together and they have more money than it's ever been amassed and more knowledge and more technology than anyone ever in the history of the world, they haven't been able to change the world. There's only one G, and that's the G12 that's been able to change the world. So, I'm so thankful for the campus for hosting this service. You guys are doing awesome. God has blessed you with an amazing group, amazing family, lots of talents and gifts. Very proud of you guys. Thank you for the communion and the contribution. It uh, really touched my heart. But as you strive for your diploma and you strive to make an impact in this world, don't be confused about what can change the world. Yeah. It's not the latest app, it's not the latest startup, and it's not Silicon Valley. 
It's the Word of God, and the Holy Spirit can totally change the world we live in. Amen, church? Um, if you want to follow uh, me and some of the ministry, and right now we're doing a 40-day 40, uh, 40 prayer and fast for all the different cities and churches in Eastern Europe, uh, you can follow me at Sean's Borscht. I have a site, Borscht for the Soul. In America, you guys have chicken soup for the soul, but we eat borscht, amen? Uh, it's part of our culture. We love it. But you can follow that. But let's jump into the Bible, amen? Matthew 25 is the text for today. So go ahead and look at that. Open that up or turn that on or flip that on or whatever you use. Let's read this. Starting in verse 15, or I think actually 14. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received the five talents went out and at once put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with two talents gained two more. But the one who had received one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with the two talents. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. You're still with me, right? Then the man who had received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man. Harvesting where you have not sown, and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid, and went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown, and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers, so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For everyone who has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This story didn't end good. Uh, not encouraging, not inspiring, not the Cinderella thing. Um, Parables explain us something about God. Parables explain us something about how we should live in the presence of God. Amen? And if you've looked at the other parables, I think you are studying the parables. I don't know which ones you've already looked at. But if you look at some of these parables, in all of these parables in these chapters, it has to do with um, the master going away and coming back. There's a sense of an accountability that's going to happen at the end. But let's take a look here at this story. These people had different abilities. Someone had five abilities. So according to their abilities, he gave five, two, or one. So they have different abilities, and he gave them talents according to their abilities. Now the one with five, how much growth did he see in his investment? 
100%. It doubled, right? Five got five more. The one with two had how much growth? Also 100%. So actually, they both had the same growth. They both produced the same result with what they had. And the answer from God was the exact same. The happiness. Good and faithful servant. It's not like he liked the guy with five more than he liked the guy with two. For God, everyone's equal. God loves us all equally. We're all different, but he loves us all equally. Amen, church? Then there's the one who buried it. And actually, uh, in those days, burying your treasure was actually something people did. Uh, If you had something very valuable, you buried it. There were no places uh, to kind of store it. So, in theory, burying it wasn't the most crazy idea. But God was very upset that the person didn't use his talents to do something more. Right? So, he buried it. And then what happened? Instead of him seeing that that the other two guys kind of did it right and he messed up. And him coming forward and saying, wow, I blew it. Oh my gosh, what was I doing? What was I thinking? Forgive me, here's your, here's your talent back. No, that wasn't it. He didn't take any responsibility and completely blamed it on the other person. You know, sometimes when I'm messing up, the last person I want to think who's in trouble or is messed up is me. I'm looking for everybody else. I can't believe that, brother. I can't believe that. How could God... And that's what happened here. Now, God, of course, does not accept this excuse. He's not particularly empathetic towards that excuse. And the person's destroyed. So all these parables talk about being ready, being faithful, being ready, being faithful. But what's unique about this parable? Why is it in here? Because in this parable, it doesn't just talk about being faithful. It talks about being productive. There's an expectation of God that you are productive. It is not enough just to know, believe, accept forgiveness, and sit on your life and not be productive. Now, all of our productivity is going to look a little different. Praise God. That's good news. But the decision to not be productive, to not make an effort, to not give your gifts back, is not acceptable. According to this parable. So, as I said, parables point to God's character and we can be inspired by God's character and the kingdom of God. So there's three things in God's character I would like us to look at that I think can help us be productive in our Christianity. Amen? First one's going to be God is generous. The second one's going to be use your gifts. And the third one is good and faithful servants. Amen? So let's do this. Number one, God is generous. Now, just so you know, a talent of silver, let's say it's silver, a talent of silver is equal to 15 years salary. So, right now, think of your yearly salary and multiply it by 15. And if you were in that parable today, that's what you would be given today in a bag. Now, the one with two, then that's 30 years salary you would have received. And the one with five talents, that would have been 75 years of salary in a bag. Right now. Now, there's a lot of things I'd want to do with that money. Burying it would not be crossing my mind right now. (laughs) God is so generous to us. He is crazy generous. He gives us so far beyond what we would ever need for any particular situation. It's crazy generous. He's crazy kind to me and you. 
It's impossible to explain how loving and kind and generous God is towards us. First Peter chapter 1, verse 18 through 19 says, For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. God just didn't save us from our sins. He saved us from a, a, a pointless life. A missionless life. He didn't just forgive your sins. He adopted you. It'd be one thing if I got a pardon from the president, but it's a different thing if the president adopts me. It'd be one thing if the judge lets me out of jail, but it'd be different if then he adopted me. God wants a relationship with us. He he brought us home into his family. Amen. We've been sanctified. You know, sanctified... It means something set aside for God's use. It's a special instrument. That, and, and for it to be sanctified, it has to be... Blood has to be spilt to sanctify. Like Aaron and the tent and all these things in the Old Testament. They had to be sanctified to be in God's use. And then they're set aside for God's use. Uh, who here likes to go to museums? You guys, okay, several people do. That's awesome. God bless you guys. I, I go to a museum and, and I look at the shelf and there's a bowl. And I look at the bowl and I think, if that bowl was in my house, I'd probably throw it away by accident thinking it's because it's just a bowl. But then when you read the little, the little sign underneath the bowl and it explains that this bowl was used by the Pharaoh of this person and that person. And, and you read it and you think, wow, this bowl's got history. This bowl actually is important, I guess. You know, you, what... Once you hear all the things about it, it becomes clear why it's in the museum. Now, when you looked in the mirror this morning, I know when I looked in the mirror this morning, I didn't see anything holy. I saw nothing that resembled sanctification. I saw little bits of hair pointing in different directions. And there's nothing special about what I see in the mirror. But if I could see through God's eyes, it's a person who's been pulled out of history washed in the blood of Christ and set aside to be used by God himself. That's you. You've been set aside to be used by God himself. Amen, church? Amen. You know, I don't know if you know this story about uh, a, young, a young lady named Laura. She was on a cruise ship and she took this cruise ship, um, it was actually out from the L.A. area. The cruise ship was going down to Mexico. And when they got out to sea, um, like on the second or third day, Laura's appendix burst. And there's no operating table on the boat. So she has basically 24 hours to live. And at this moment, the, this, this ship, this cruise ship put out a distress signal to see if there was any boats with an operating table within any range at all. And the distress signal was answered by this boat. This is the Ronald Reagan aircraft carrier and its fleet. They were doing maneuvers not too far away. So they got the okay, the aircraft carrier, to turn around and head towards the cruise ship at full speed. The cruise ship turned around, taking its 3,000 people who were on vacation in a different direction, and headed towards this ship. They were going as fast as they can at each other. After several hours, the helicopter took off from the carrier because it could go faster, got over the cruise ship. The cruise ship 
no place to land, so they lower down baskets and pick up Laura and her parents and bring them into the helicopter. Then the helicopter races back to the aircraft carrier, and they take her into the aircraft carrier, and they do an operation, and Laura survives. Amen? Now, I'm just assuming, I don't know, I'm just assuming Laura woke up that morning thinking, wow, I must be pretty special. I disrupted 3,000 people's vacations and just turned around an aircraft carrier, which, by the way, costed the government $2.5 million to turn around that aircraft carrier. And now she's alive. You know, when I think about God's relationship towards me and towards you, we weren't going to make it. We weren't going to survive. And God stops time, turns around the universe, enters in, comes right after me and you to save us. Then pulls us out of this world and makes us holy and gives us a family. And God spent a lot more than two and a half million dollars to pull off our salvation. It costed him everything. If you don't hear anything I say today, hear God loves you. God loves you so much. God will turn around the universe, not just a boat, a universe, to save your soul. Amen, church? Point number two. Let's use your gifts. Amen? Now, I think the greatest gift we've all received is our Salvation. salvation. Excellent. That's the greatest gift. I know you have many different gifts and talents. But the gift that you've received in your life is definitely our salvation. Amen, church? And that's why Jesus says in the very beginning, if you follow me, I'll make you into fishers of men. I'll make you fishers of souls. I'll teach you how to help other people be saved. Because the greatest thing you've received is your salvation. And the greatest thing you can give to anybody else is salvation and a chance to be saved. Amen, church? Now, LeBron James is here in L.A. now, right? Is that true? That's true? I'm trying to keep up with where he is. But he's here now. Now, I, I have an idea. If LeBron James called you right now, or after church, because you're not answering your phone right now, because we're listening to this, amen? But if he calls you after church, and he says, hey, I want to invite you to come be with me for a year, and you can live in my house, and go to practice with me, and train with me, and I'll teach you everything I know, and we'll practice together for an entire year. What do you think? After a year, will you be a better basketball player than you are now? Definitely. Will you be as good as LeBron James? No. Not going to happen. But you'll definitely be better. Amen? Now, for those of you who don't like sports, Einstein. If Einstein was alive and Einstein said, okay. If Einstein called you and said, hey, look, I want to invite you to come live with me and we're just going to do physics all day long. And we're gonna, I'm going to teach you physics and I'll explain everything. And it's going to be incredible. I think I lost everybody right now. Okay, let, let me make everyone feel a little bit more secure. Simple equation. E equals MC squared. Now, in case you don't know what that means, it means energy equals my coffee times two. That's, that's, in case you didn't know, that is pure physics. So, but after a year, imagine, maybe you don't know anything about physics now, but if you did live with Einstein for a year, you will know some physics at the end of the year. Amen, church? Same thing here. Jesus The whole reason he came to the earth was to save souls. The moment he started his ministry, he said, come follow me, I'll teach you how to save souls. And when things got very distracting and very, very busy, he said, no, we've got to go out here because I'm here to save souls. And then right before he left the earth, he said, go and save souls. 
So if Jesus is my teacher and I am with Jesus, if Jesus invited me to be with him a whole year, my guess is that I'll grow in my desire and ability to save souls. If after an entire year of LeBron James, I can't literally dribble or shoot a ball a little bit better than I do now, then you will question how close I was to LeBron James or if that's the same LeBron James that plays basketball. If after a year with Einstein, I literally can't do any physics, you'd be curious if I actually was... If after an entire year of being Jesus' disciple, I haven't really made an effort or thought about how I could help someone else be saved, then I need to reevaluate my walk with Jesus. Amen, church? You know... It's really encouraging that we get to be his disciples. It really is. It's amazing. I'm so thankful for the LA Church. You guys are heroes to the churches around the world. Thank you for sending me out 27 years ago. I've been overseas more than I ever lived in the United States now. And you've supported with special missions. I know they may not go to this place or that place, but they go somewhere and they're helping some country have a chance to hear the good news. Thank you for your hearts. Thank you for all these years of sacrifice. Thank you for supporting your ministers the way you do. Because they're building awesome church here that then helps evangelize Los Angeles, which definitely needs evangelization, amen, but also the entire world. Give yourselves a round of applause, amen, church. You know, you have the GPS cord. You you know the way. People in L.A. do not know the way to heaven. You know the way. And it's not something we're proud of. We just know the scriptures. Amen? And the great thing about GPS is when you're supposed to turn right, but you turn left, what does it do? It says, turn around, turn around. You make a wrong turn, turn around. No matter how much you mess up, it always gets you back on the right path. Amen? I love that about Jesus. No matter how much I mess up, it's never ruined. It's never over. It just keeps telling me to go a different direction. And that's your quiet time in the morning. It's just opening up the GPS. Which way do I turn now? And follow that path. Amen? Or it's like, it's like the, the miracle drug, right? There's a disease in this world called sin. And guess what? There's a 100% kill rate. 100%. There's never been a disease in the history of man that's been a 100% kill rate. This one kills everybody. So you don't have to worry as you walk around the streets which ones maybe could survive without it. 100% kill rate. And you've got bottles of the pills. Now, you can't make them swallow it, but you can offer it to them. Amen, church? And I love the ocean. I could stare at the ocean forever. But the fact, the idea of being lost in the middle of the ocean is a very scary idea. What are the odds of somebody finding you in the middle of the ocean? Seven billion people on this planet today, and you're sitting in this hall. You've hit the greatest lottery in the history of the world. You are rich beyond your belief. You're checking your wall right now and thinking, no, I don't think you I don't think you know what you're talking about. I'm not talking about that. This is the richest collection of people in LA. No one close. Hands down. If you don't believe me, come up to me a hundred years from now, from this date, and talk to me. It means you will quickly agree that we were the richest people living in L.A. Amen, Amen church? Amen. You know, um, each one should use what 1 Peter 
Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. Everyone here has gifts. Some of you sing, some of you worship, uh, some of you are loving, some of you cook well. Everyone uses their different gifts to serve each other, and that's awesome. Amen? And very encouraging. I'm actually very proud of my wife. She serves many, many people with her prayer life. Uh, She's been collecting this list of people that have been hurting or have walked away from the Lord or have needed help. And I think her list is up to 600, 700 people so far. And almost 50 of those people have become Christians or have come back to the faith. And she prays every single day. She hasn't missed a day now for like two or three years. She just prays constantly. We can serve each other with our prayer life. Amen, church? There's a couple in Boston who have now retired, and uh, they lead a family group in Boston, but they hear that there's incredible needs in other parts of the world. The maturity that we have in the United States, we don't have that maturity overseas. I'm the oldest Christian. You're supposed to be amazed at how young I am. Wow, really? That's young. When I said that 15 years ago, people got a lot more out of that than they do now. But there's a couple in Boston who uh, they retired and decided they were going to spend six months a year just living in the different churches in Eastern Europe, doing counseling and marriage and, and encouragement and helping. And they've had an incredible impact in the churches in Eastern Europe. You know, you, you may have heard this story. Many people have. But this is a Japanese art form called kintsugi. And what happens is when a very expensive vase in Japan fell from the shelf, sounds like my youth growing up, but I would get spanked for this. This was a different process. Basically, when it would fall and break into pieces, what they do in Japan is they take pure gold and they knit the pieces back together. And you see here in the different cracks, that's actually pure gold. And what happens with this art form, although the vase was priceless before, when it broke and they knitted it back together with pure gold, it actually became more valuable after it was broken than when it was whole. And I think about my Christian life. Facebook and Instagram, they tell us that we have to have it all together. The pictures have to show we're flawless, we're awesome, we're fired up, we're this, we're perfect, we're that. And we hide our cracks. But Jesus says, it's actually where you're cracked That's where my glory shows up because that's where I hold you together. That's where I'll put you back together. And we as Christians, we don't walk around showing we got it all together. We walk around showing that we were completely broken, but God put us back together. And when we we thought we were not broken, we were actually less valuable than we are now that God's put us back together. And my mistakes and my weaknesses and my laziness and my arrogance and my pride and my, my, uh, my hurt... Those things that most people try and cover, those are the things we're most proud of. Because that's where you see God shine the brightest in our life. Amen, church? And the last point, good and faithful. Amen? Look at Hebrews 10, verse 23 through 25. Good and faithful. I'm glad it doesn't say awesome and perfect. Good. I'm just... let. I'd be fired up just to be good. Amen, church? When I first started out, I thought it was all going to be awesome. But after 27 years, I realized I'm, I'm pretty fired up about good. Good is good. And I, I, just, I just want to hold on to faithful. Faithful is awesome. But let's read here in Hebrews 10, verse 23. 
Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another in all the more as you see the day approaching. We hold. Hold. It's like a tight vice grip. We hold unswervingly to what we believe. We pray, we read our Bible, we love one another. It's pretty simple. We talk to our neighbor about Jesus. We, just, we know what we believe. Let's hold to that unswervingly. Amen? And we're going to have cracks and we're going to mess up and we're going to fall down and get broken, but we're not going to make excuses. We're just going to keep trying and giving our best. Amen? Consider how we can spur one another on. Spur one another on means provoke to action. We came here today to get provoked to act. So when you walk out of here, you've decided you're going to act differently. Do something different. And what do we want to do? Love and good deeds. We love love. Amen? Let's show some love. Hug, hug, lean over and hug that person next to you. Come on. Hugs. Hugs. You don't have to get up or anything. Lean over. Hug. I just provoked you to action, and now you're hugging someone, and you're encouraged. Amen? We love good deeds. We love to be loved. Amen? So what do we do? We hold unswervingly to Christ, and we spur one another on. Amen, church? We hold on to each other and we hold on to Christ. I think there's a great illustration in nature. Um, there's a fig tree. I don't know if you've ever seen a fig tree. Fig trees are like 24 feet high. But do you know how deep the fig tree roots go? A fig tree roots go down 300 feet deep. That's a football field deep. Fig tree roots. 300 feet deep for a 24 foot high tree. Now, there's another tree. Now, I think that's how we need to approach Christ, right? We go deep with Christ. We want to go deeper. We want to go crazy deep with Christ. Keep digging in your relationship with God. Amen? Amen. Go deeper and deeper. Hold on to Christ. Amen? Amen? Then the other tree I want to talk about is the redwood tree. Now, the redwood trees, they're 300 feet tall. They live 1,800 years. Now, if a tree is 300 feet tall, a football field tall, basically, how deep do you think its roots are to hold up a tree like that? I'll tell you. It's actually six feet deep is as deep as they go. It goes no deeper than six. Why? Because the roots go out. And what they do is they grab a hold of each other. And no matter what wind or problems come, they're unmovable because they're holding on to each other. So we have the fig tree when we think about our relationship with God. Go deeper, 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 deeper. And then the God gives us the church so we can hold on to one another. No matter what storm comes your way, we hold on and support one another. Amen, church? Amen. This is Stephen and Noah. Do you, do you know Stephen and Noah? Stephen and Noah, two normal little kids who just went out swimming um, off the east coast of Florida in the ocean. And I don't know if you see if you've seen Finding Nemo with the, the tides, you know, when the turtles go really fast in the current. Actually, riptides, they exist, and I'm sure you guys know this, you're here in L.A. 
you know all about riptides, but these two kids got into a riptide on their boogie board and they were getting sucked out. They started yelling and screaming and some other people swam over to help them, but then they got sucked out. After 30 minutes, mom couldn't find the kids, stood up, found, found them kind of yelling and screaming. So mom jumps in the water to rescue them and she gets into the riptide. Grandma saw mom jump in, so grandma decides to jump in after mom. Grandma gets sucked out and grandma has a heart attack. So they put grandma with her heart attack on the boogie board and now there's like 10 people being sucked out to sea. Now someone a little bit more knowledgeable recognized what was happening and people on the beach grabbed hands and decided to walk into the water to make a human chain. Now they're almost 300 feet out. And 80 people locked up into their arms and went all the way out until they reached them, grabbed them by the hand, and then all 80 people drug them back to shore, and everybody survived, and Grandma made it to the hospital after her heart attack. Amen? You can't do it alone. Even if you're a great swimmer, you can't do it alone. You guys have incredible full-time ministers here. They can't do that alone. If we want to save this part of the country, everyone has to grab a hold. Everyone plays a role. Everyone has a gift. Everyone has a story. Everyone can help somebody get pulled back in. And when they all came into the beach, everyone was hugging and high-fiving each other. They're in their bathing suits and stuff like that. They don't even know each other and they're giving hugs. Why? Because as a group, they saved somebody. It united them. It united people that don't even really know each other. Because they were doing something significant with their life. That's this group of people. That's you guys. Pray for us. That needs to be us. In the Ukraine. In the last slide I'll show, there was a girl who got lost. A young girl, like four years old, got lost in the, in the forest. And they couldn't find her and it was getting dark. So the entire town came together. And they spread out a few meters apart from each other and just started sweeping through the forest, sweeping through until one of the hundred some people found the little girl laying there with a broken leg and they rescued her and saved her life. Now, I'm assuming that out of the hundred people, all 100 people rejoiced equally. I don't think the one that actually found them felt any special because they were all just covering a territory just to make sure we didn't miss anybody. God has some very special kids in this part of the city and they have a broken heart, a broken soul, and this group just needs to line up and you just need to sweep this city. And you'll find that child at UCLA or Pepperdine or wherever you're living, you'll find them. God will make sure that person crosses into the path. Amen, church? Amen. God's given this group incredible talents. Let's use them all for God. He'll multiply. Let's be good and faithful servants until our last day. Thank you very much. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net. 